Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Timarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshurumisam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Sri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jenabutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadatit Swapatandikam When will Srila Rupaka Swami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha kalpata rubyasya kripasindu bayevacha patitanam pavanebio vaishnavebio namo namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today is Thursday, May 6th, 2021, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 7, The Son of Drona Punished, Text 21. And I apologize because that says Text 20, but I think yesterday was Text 20. So I guess they didn't update the board. If you guys have a smartphone or you can pull up the verse on the database, otherwise I'll just recite the verse and we don't need to do a call and response. It's up to you guys. Tata pradukshkritam teja prachantam sarvatodisham pranapatam apipreksha vishnum jishnuru vachaha. I'll go line by line. Hold on. Tata pradukshkritam teja prachandam sarvatodisham pranapadam apipreksha vishnum jishnuru vachaha Anyone want to recite? Tata-pradikṣitam-teja 
Vachandam Sarvato Disham Vanapadam Api Preksha Vishnum Jeshnara Vachaha Tata Pradukshitam Teja Vachandam Sarvato Disham Panapadam api preksha Vishnum jishnuru vachaha Tata pradukshitam teja Pachandam sarvato disham Panapadam api preksha Vishnu jishnuru vachaha Tata Thereafter, Pradukshkritam, disseminated, Teja, glare, Prachandam, fierce, Sarvata, all around, Disham, directions, Prana Apadam, affecting life, Apipreksha, Having observed it, Vishnu, unto the Lord, Vishnu, Arjuna, Uvacha, said, Ha, in the past. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Thereupon, a glaring light spread in all directions. It was so fierce that Arjuna thought his own life in danger. And so he began to address Lord Sri Krishna. We'll read on since there's no purport. Text 22. Arjuna Uvacha Krishna Krishna Mahabaho Bhaktanam Apyakara Tvam Eko Dhyamanam Apavargo Samrishtita Translation. Arjuna said, Oh, my Lord, Sri Krishna, you are the almighty personality of Godhead. There is no limit to your different energies. Therefore, only you are competent to instill fearlessness in the hearts of your devotees. Everyone in the flames of material miseries can find the path of liberation in you only. Purport. Arjuna was aware of the transcendental qualities of Lord Sri Krishna as he had already experienced them during the Kurukshetra War, in which both of them were present. Therefore, Arjuna's version of Lord Krishna is authoritative. Krishna is almighty and is especially the cause of fearlessness for the devotees. A devotee of the Lord is always fearless because of the protection given by the Lord. Material existence is something like a blazing fire in the forest, which can be extinguished by the mercy of Lord Sri Krishna. The spiritual master is the mercy representative of the Lord. Therefore, a person burning in the flames of material existence may receive the reins of mercy of the Lord through the transparent medium of the self-realized spiritual master. The spiritual master, by their words, can penetrate into the heart of the suffering person and inject knowledge transcendental, which alone can extinguish the fire of material existence. So the last few weeks that I've been giving class, we've had this reoccurring theme of somehow or another I end up with these verses that has the basic theme of 
The material world is full of misery, and the only escape, the only um, solution is to surrender to Krishna. And so we see that again in today's verses. Right? It says that only Krishna can instill fearlessness, and only he can extinguish the miseries that we have. So it's a repeated theme. I find that when themes are repeated over and over again, especially in my life, it means that this is a lesson that I need to learn, that I need to pay attention because it keeps popping up. And repetition is considered the mother of skill, right? If you want to practice or if you want to master some type of skill, you have to do it over and over again. So if we want to get this concept that this material world is full of misery and the only way we can escape it is to surrender to Krishna, we have to hear it and understand it over and over again. Or at least I do. So This time, and each time the verse, you know, the, the meaning of the verse is there, each time there's like a slight difference. And this time we've had the concepts of Fear and danger, which kind of go hand in hand, right? When there's danger, we have fear, and we have fear because we're, there, there might be danger present. So not only do we have miseries in the material world, right? The threefold miseries. Does anyone know what the threefold miseries are? Yes. Exactly. So we've got the um, those coming from nature. Um, that's Adi Daivik. And we have those that are from other living entities, Adi Bhotik. And then we have the ones from our own body and mind, Adi Atmik. And of those, of course, the Adi Atmik is like the most, where we get most of our miseries, right? Because that's where we, we're constantly in, um, association of our own minds, right? So we can't escape our own mind, our own body in this particular life. Um, so we're always kind of feeling that misery. And the whole Bhagavad Gita basically is teaching us how to really get away from that misery. Because, you know, happiness, distress, weather is going to change, right? Right now we're in this transition where we have beautiful weather, you know, in Texas, which is like two or three days of the year. Um, otherwise, it's too hot, usually. And then a few months ago, it was really too cold. Um, so in addition to these miserable conditions, we also have danger. We pretty much have danger at every step, right? And we have danger because we have fear. What are some of your fears? What are some common fears that people have? Fear of being alone? Fear of dying? Spiders, snakes, I heard. Committing offenses to devotees, okay. What other fears do we have? So when we look at the top fears that are felt amongst most people, um, we have fear of heights, right? We have fear of Someone said bugs, snakes, spiders, you know, creepy crawlies, things like that. We have fear of illness and fear of dying, especially in this last year. That's, that fear has really played really prominent in our lives um, with the COVID 
you know, pandemic, that this fear of dying, um, fear of illness is just hanging over our heads. We, it's very visceral at this point in time. Um, the fear of dying is always there, but I feel like right now, it looks like you can't really escape that. It's, um, it's really prominent everywhere. And so these types of fears, obviously, like in some ways, the t- fear of heights, the fear of bugs, all of that fear of illness, it's all related to the fear of dying, right? So it's this fear that we're going to, um, something, some harm is going to come to us. We're going to feel um, some injury, harm, and then death, right? So that's a big fear of ours. But surprisingly enough, these kinds of fears is not the top fear that most people report. Does anyone know what the top fear of most people are? What? Not having enough money? That's a good guess. It is public speaking. The top fear that people have is public speaking. Isn't that interesting? Because it's not even death. Like, you're... But that's like the number one fear. Even before dying, yeah, most people will report the fear of public speaking is even higher than their fear of dying. And as a matter of fact, um, social anxiety is actually even higher than the fear of dying. So, and then public speaking is the highest form of social anxiety that people can have. And it's really... Does anyone know why these kind of social anxieties, these, you kind of touched on it, making offenses to other Vaishnavas. Um, does anyone know why that's our top fear? Yes. Because dishonor is worse than death. That's one reason. Exactly. What people are going to think of us, we're afraid of being judged. Right, so in some ways, honor, dishonors, it's that fear of being judged. And I read that um, this social anxiety that we have is rooted in two, in two major fears that we have, that we are not enough and that we are not loved. So a lot of our social fears comes from those two, one of those two, or both of those two. Um, and it can show up of like fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of love or losing love, fear of being alone, fear of the unknown. And we can have any combination of these fears, and they tend to control our lives, right? So one of the things that I've been really um, contemplating is, you know, um, doing more public speaking, Right, so that's one of my big passions. It's one of the things that I know that I'm meant to do as my dharma. I'm trained in, um, I went to medical school. I'm a family practice physician. But really, my underlying like passion and purpose, I feel, is to help empower people to live a healthy life, to at least get them to the mode of goodness. And I really, like, I have all these grand plans, but I don't really act on them, right, because I have this fear of, Am I going to be good enough? Will I, will people like accept it or will they judge me or just think that I'm being arrogant or, um, that I'm being boastful or prideful by speaking and speaking with authority, right? And 
we have to know like how to deal with all these fears because we all have a message, right? Prabhupada has given each and every one of us this um, duty of spreading the message of Krishna consciousness, and we have to do it in our own, like according to our own dharma and according to our skills and intelligence that we've been gifted by Krishna. So we've been tasked with, you know, preaching and teaching, and yet so many of us don't, right? Like, I've been out on books, oh my God, that's, that's like super stressful situation, right? To go out on books, to speak to a complete stranger and try to get them to like be interested in, in something that who knows where they're at, right? So um, we all have been tasked with this. And so I've always contemplated, like, why haven't I acted on it? I have, grant, I have, like, I have the knowledge. I have the skills. Um, and it really came to me a few months ago, and I've shared this story a few times, but new people here. So a few months ago, if you guys don't know, and here in Texas we had this crazy snowstorm, and it was like freezing cold. I think at one point it was zero degrees outside, and many of us lost power, and I'm one of those. I didn't have power for a couple of days. And at one point it was like 27 degrees inside my house, and that's cold, and I don't like cold weather at all. Like, Happiness, distress, whatever, you know, honor, dishonor, whatever, hot, whatever, cold. Oh, my God, I was miserable. I was suffering like I really like I had so many people trying to get cheer me up. And I just was in that. You know how you, sometimes you get in a place where you just don't want to even be cheered up like I was there. I had hit that kind of rock bottom. And, you know, you can't really stay in that like I can't really stay in that. Um, mindset because I feel like, okay, that's not serving me. But at one point I was thinking, you know, this cold like this, so many people die, you know. And I didn't really have fear of dying, but I knew that death is is always a possibility, right? Like I could walk outside and be hit by a bus. Death is always a possibility. And I was sitting there in the dark under, like, blankets wearing five, six layers of clothing, and I was thinking, you know, if I were to die right now, what would be my biggest regret? And I really, it really came down to like not making a difference. You're not making an impact, um, in the way that I know I'm meant to. Not using these gifts and skills and intelligence and talent that Krishna has given me in order to spread this message to get people to, to the mode of goodness, you know, and then from there to the transcendental mode and to surrender to Krishna. And I thought, wow. And in that moment, I, did, I realized that that fear of not making a difference all of a sudden became stronger than all of my insecurities and all of my other fears of success, of failure, of you know being judged, because I realized that that is the most important thing, right? And really, that's what it comes down to when it comes to handling all of our fears. In the Bhagavad Gita, 1835, um, Krishna says, that determination which cannot go beyond dreaming, fearfulness, lamentation, moroseness, illusion, such unintelligent determination is in the mode of darkness. So here I was sitting in darkness, and I realized that I've been in the mode of darkness because I wasn't going beyond my fearfulness. And I was letting my fear control me. And 
it's a common theme, you know, like many of us do that. And we kind of let it prevent us from really like expanding it from getting out of our comfort zone. On the other hand, in 1830, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, knowing what is to be, be feared and what is not to be feared is in the mode of goodness. So really understanding this that, you know, we can have fears, but letting it control us, right? That's the issue. So this fear of not making a difference, that's actually something to be feared, right? Of not surrendering to Krishna is actually something to be feared. Not what people think of me. Not what people are going to say and how I'm going to show up. Those kinds of things, that's more rooted in my ego. And it's not looking at how I'm serving. Krishna goes on to say in Bhagavad Gita 10.4 and 10.5, fear is due to worrying about the future. Or Actually, this is in the purport. Um, Prabhupada says, fear is due to worrying about the future. A person in Krishna consciousness has no fear because by their activities, they are sure to go back to the spiritual sky, back home, back to Godhead. And he goes on to say in Bhagavad Gita 16.1 to 3 in the purport, Prabhupada says, the first qualification of a divine nature, right? Because chapter 16 is divine and demoniac nature, is fearlessness. In renouncing the material world, one has to be alone without any support or guarantee of support. They simply have to depend on the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If one thinks, after I leave my connections, who will protect me? They cannot surrender. One must be fully convinced that Krishna, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, in his localized aspect as Paramatma, is always within, and that he is seeing everything. He always knows what one intends to do. One must thus have firm conviction that Krishna, as Paramatma, will take care of the soul surrendered to him. I shall never be alone, one should think. Even if I live in the darkest regions of a forest, I shall be accompanied by Krishna, and he will give me all protection. That conviction is fearlessness, and that state of mind is what's necessary. So, in some ways, it's not that we have to get rid of our fears, but when we don't let our fears control us and we surrender to Krishna and say, you know what? I, this is my service and I'm doing it. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm just completely surrendered. But we also have full faith that Krishna is going to take care of us. We no longer let that fear control us. And that's a state of fearlessness. Like it's still there. You know, there's a saying it's, um, bravery and courage is not getting rid of fear. It's acting despite the fear. So in this particular case, you know, what, what Krishna is describing, what Prabhupada is describing is that the state of fearlessness is really just surrender. And that's what we want to do. We want to surrender. And then when it comes down to what is it that we fear, you know, does anybody know what the greatest fear that we have or that, let me see how I can word that better. The most dangerous type of fear. Does anybody recognize that um, phrase from the Bhagavad Gita. So the most dangerous type of fear is going back into the cycle of birth and death, but it's even more specific than that, right? It's falling down into a lower species in which we can't even achieve self-realization. 
So that is the most dangerous type of fear, according to Srila Prabhupada. However, Krishna reassures us in, you know, in that same verse in Bhagavad Gita 240 that in this endeavor there is no loss or diminution. And a little advancement on this path can protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. So as long as we are on this path of surrendering to Krishna, you know, chanting, following the four regular principles as best as we can, chanting as best as we can, you know, having this intention of surrendering, as long as we're on that path, we're protected from the most dangerous type of fear. So even if we come back, right, we learn in the Bhagavad Gita, I think it's chapter 6 or 7, I think it's chapter 7, that even if we come back, we can take birth in the family of devotees and we have easier access to, surrender. you know, the information, the knowledge to surrender. And then, of course, the famous verse, Bhagavad Gita 1866, Krishna says, Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. You know, that sometimes when I read that verse, that do not fear gives me chills, right? Because it's so, like, intense and, and it's such a big promise, right? He's just really reassuring us. Krishna is reassuring us that if we just surrender, we have no need to fear. He says, do not fear. It's very direct. There's there's a few verses in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is directly giving a um, command to Arjuna, right? This is one of them. Do not fear. Um, And it's such a profound one because this is one of the last verses in the Bhagavad Gita. So it's concluding the entire Bhagavad Gita that we don't need to fear. So how do we get there? How do we get to this point of fearlessness, of surrendering? Anyone have any ideas? Yes. I heard primary soul shelter. I didn't hear anything in between. Seeing Krishna as the ultimate shelter. So how do we do that? So by experiencing other shelters are not as, as, I guess, sheltered. Okay. Anyone else have any ideas? Yes. Taking shelter of a bona fide spiritual master. Exactly. And that's what Prabhupada says in the purport today. That, you know, he goes into, therefore a person burning in the flames of material existence may receive the reins of mercy of the Lord through the transparent medium of the self-realized spiritual master. The spiritual master, by their words, can penetrate into the heart of the suffering person and inject transcendental knowledge, which alone can extinguish the fire of material existence. So the key points of taking shelter of a spiritual master is that they are a transparent medium. Right? They're not telling you what, what's going to be good for them, like, they're not giving you instructions to glorify themselves. They're giving you instructions that's just been passed down from their spiritual master, where they learned from their spiritual master. So they're just a medium, right? They're just the messenger in some ways. But they're transparent. And they themselves are self-realized. 
and they penetrate into our hearts. Right? So when we read Srila Prabhupada's books or we listen to his lectures, or if we have you know, a living spiritual master, when we get to have association with them or darshan of them, their words can really penetrate into our hearts. And with that penetration, they inject transcendental knowledge directly into our hearts. And they extinguish the fire of material existence, which is our attachments, our desires, our fears, our, you know, this fear of, this feeling of danger. In the verses today, you know, I think yesterday they, you talked a little bit more about Ashvatthama, you know, releases the Brahmastra. And that's that, fee, that, Knowing that that's in the air is what fills Arjuna with fear, right? Because he's afraid of losing his um, son, his family, every you know who's not been lost after the war. So he feels that fear and that danger all around. Right? His spidey senses are tingling that you know there's danger lurking. So again, he turns to his spiritual master, Krishna. They're practicing for the play for next week. So we have to embark on this journey of surrendering to Krishna under the guidance of our spiritual master. This is the most important point here. Because we cannot do it on our own. You know, when I wanted to become a doctor, I didn't just say, okay, I'm a doctor now. You know, I have this knowledge within me. It's uh, you know, like sometimes people say, well, we have this knowledge within us. We don't need a, a spiritual master, right? I didn't say, oh, I have this knowledge within me of how the body works and what's good and what's bad. I had to study it. I had to go to school, I had to train under, you know, through residency, I had to train under someone who's also been through it. We have this saying in medical school, right? See one, do one, teach one, right? So you see some, a procedure, you do it, and then you're able to teach it, and then you've, that's considered mastery. Um, even, I mean, everybody's pretty much a doctor these days, right? Because Google University gives everyone um, a degree in medicine. But still, they have to seek that knowledge outside of themselves. It's not like, oh, I just know this information. So you have to look look for it. Having a guru is important. You know, we see this all the time. Even if um, I want to start getting fit, right, working out, I'll look for a personal trainer or a fitness guru. Um, and that's different than a fitness buff, right? A fitness buff is someone who's actually just taking care of them, their own selves, but they're not necessarily good at teaching it. So that's the difference between someone who's practicing it for themselves and a guru is someone who's actually able to teach it. So... We see that again, even Arjuna has turned to Krishna to learn, you know, surrenders as a spiritual master. He does that in the Bhagavad Gita, and again he's turning to his friend, right? He's saying, only you can instill fearlessness and protect us. And he, and I think he goes on to ask him, like, what do we do? How do we, you know, deal with this situation? In the purport of Bhagavad Gita 2.7, Srila Prabhupada explains, by nature's one way, the complete system of material activities is a source of perplexity for everyone. 
In every step there is perplexity. Therefore, it behooves one to approach a bona fide spiritual master who can give one proper guidance for executing the purpose of life. All Vedic literatures advise us to approach a bona fide spiritual master to get free from the from the perplexities of life which happen without our desire. So we don't really desire material miseries. We don't desire the complications, the drama, you know, the perplexities, this fire. But it just happens without our desiring that. It's because we have other desires that then kind of connect to it. But once we start to like say, okay, I'm surrendering to a spiritual master. I, I want to surrender to Krishna. And I know the only way to do that is through my spiritual master. Then they can start guiding us. So, you know, we talked about the qualities of a spiritual master slightly, you know, a little bit we talked about that. But we also have to have qualities to qualify ourselves as a disciple. In the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam 1529, Srila Prabhupada explains, they themselves must be plain and gentle to receive the instructions of such a pure devotee. So we have to be plain and gentle. A pure devotee is completely surrendered unto soul unto the personality of Godhead. They know that the personality of Godhead is the supreme proprietor and all others as his servitor. And by the association of pure devotees only, one can get rid of all sins accumulated by mundane association. A neophyte devotee must faithfully serve the pure devotee. So that's another quality, faithfully serve. And they should be very much obedient and strictly follow the instructions. These are the signs of a devotee who is determined to achieve success even in the existing duration of life. In... Um, one of the TED Talks, because I do a lot of personal personal development, and um, I look at coaching, I look at what I do as coaching. So when I'm looking at someone who's, even myself, at, you know, if I'm looking for a mentor, I'm looking at my qualities, but if I'm looking at someone who wants me to be their health coach, then I look at, you know, are they willing to learn? Are they coachable, right? Are they just thinking they have all the answers and that I can't really answer any of their questions. That means they're not really coachable. They're not willing to change. And are they hungry? Are they, like, really wanting this information, like, just hungering for it? This is basically what Prabhupada's saying, is, like, we have to have that level of surrender, you know. It doesn't mean blind faith and we can't ask questions, but we have to have this questioning with an open heart, of saying, you know, I'm asking not in a um, that word contradictory way, but I'm asking to actually learn, to find out why, to find out, you know, so that I can fully surrender. Because the goal is to surrender, so these questions are for that. But sometimes we have this goal of, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong, or I'm going to find a better way. Then we start asking questions with that mindset, and that's not really a surrendered mindset. That's what Prabhupada is saying here, is that we really want to have that like open heart, open mind, and I'm willing to learn, and I'm willing to be told what to do. Right? And I want that because I want to surrender to Krishna. I want to leave the miseries of the material world.
So we have to be ready for it. We have to want it and we have to be willing to surrender, right? When the teacher, when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And the other great thing about having and that, you know, a spiritual master that knows who you are, they can really guide you in terms of your dharma, in terms of your service, to find the best service that suits you so that you can fully surrender. My um, spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, he always knew what was in my heart, and he knew my path, right? I mean, it's been several years. can't do math right now, but was it like 20, almost 20 years? We're almost at 20 years that he's left. And yet 20 years ago, he knew exactly what my path was. He used to always encourage me in public speaking. He used to, um, we used to talk about what I would do. He knew I was going through med school. And he would, we would talk about prevention instead of just treating diseases. Right, So he knew that these were the things that were meant for me. I didn't know at that time. At that time, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get up in front of people and speak. you know. But he would always encourage me to do so because he knew that that was my path and that was my destiny. And you know, I think it was almost 10 years later that I actually spoke in front of people after he left his body. So um, I know that he's still guiding me right through his, through my senior god brothers and god sisters and through um, his lectures, his books. Um, Srila Prabhupada is also guiding us in that same way. So if we haven't surrendered to a spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada is all of our spiritual masters. So, you know, he teaches us through his books, his lectures, his writings. Um, and so we can surrender to that. Okay, so what questions do you have? Yes. Okay. The question is about surrender and who to surrender to? So, you know, it's uh, it's pretty self-explanatory to surrender to our spiritual master and maybe like um, a few senior people that you're already in touch with. But what about other a senior um, self-realized devotees? Right, that's the question. It really does come down to what um, your spiritual master has for you. Because sometimes too many instructions, like too many cooks in the kitchen, can ruin you know ruin the flavor there. So as long as it's not contradictory, and we can still have a humble mood with everyone, because if we think, oh well, I know better, or I know this or that, it's um, a humble mood can also just be like. That's interesting. I'm going to consider that or I'm going to discuss it with my spiritual master because that might be a good thing or it might not be a good thing. And, it, and it's not that your spiritual master hasn't thought of it or didn't, you know, or maybe he just, it's not on the radar, right? So if it's something that resonates with you 
it might be something to discuss with your spiritual master if that's enough, an option for you or with other senior people. But it's really important to decide who you're going to actually take instructions from. Um, you know, we can surrender to everybody in the sense of the humil- the, being humble to everyone, right? To think ourselves lower than everyone. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone gets to um, dictate and guide us in how our services are. There are some common services, right? Like if the temple needs to be cleaned or, you know, things like that, someone tells you to do that, that's fine. But if it's something more like, oh, this is what your career should be, this is, you know, how you spend all your days, that's something that's more in line with speaking with your spiritual master or the few people that you feel that have that best interest in mind for you. Does that make sense? Yes. So the question is, is it possible to develop complete surrender to Krishna without first developing complete surrender to to spiritual master? And I think the short answer to that is no. And the reason for that is, I think I talked about this in a class a couple of weeks ago, but really it comes down to a few things. So Krishna actually gives us the mercy to surrender to him. right? So we can't surrender to him without Krishna's mercy. But we get Krishna's mercy through the mercy of devotees. So our spiritual master is like, he's the one that has our back. He's the one that's going to speak for us. He's giving us that mercy freely. Right? Um, and because he gives us that mercy, then Krishna will then give us that mercy to surrender. So without that, you know, spiritual master vouching for you in some ways, that if we want to look at it like that, Krishna won't really consider it. So we always have to have a, a senior, a self-realized, you know, pure devotee that vouches for us. Now there are some cases, I think we in scripture that we see that, you know, people, they get to surrender directly to Krishna. In some ways, I think Narada Muni is like that, right? Um, but even then, it's like there's a few steps to it, you know, in, uh, before Narada Muni surrendered to Krishna and saw Krishna, and that's caused him to surrender. He actually served Vaishnavs, right? He was, he, he would, um, his Mom would take care of the Vaishnavas and he would help serve them and then he would eat the remnants of their prasadam, right? And so he was getting that mercy in that way. So even with someone like Narada Muni, we see that he also needed the association of devotees.
So the question is, what is the definition of surrender? Because we t- tend to think of surrender as like in battle, like waving the white flag and, you know, I'm defeated. And in uh, Krishna consciousness, surrendering to Krishna is a different mood. It is because in battle, when we surrender, you know, we wave the white flag. It's like, oh, God, who knows what's going to happen? You know, you could be killed. You can be taken prisoner. And then who knows what's going to happen as a prisoner of war? Um, you know, so there's so much danger in in that type of surrender. But the surrender to Krishna is actually, it's like 180 degrees different, right? It's like night and day difference because it's more that I have full faith that you are going to take care of me. I have full faith and trust that you are going to love me, right? We talked about the two primal fears of not being enough and um, not being loved. Well, for Krishna, we are always enough, right? As long as we're surrendered, and that we are loved. Krishna loves us more than anyone possibly could. Because right? he's Krishna. He's, he's infinite love. So when we surrender into that kind of mood, it's a, it's a different um, thing altogether. It's more that, it's more based on tr- trust and faith than it is on fear and I have no other option. Yes. So the question is um, that one of the ways to overcome our fears is to have a fear of serving, not serving or not making a difference being greater than our fear of whatever discomfort that we may have. Um, and oftentimes we have that realization and we act, but then we forget. And so is there a way to keep that going? Yes, there is. Um, repetition, right? constantly reminding yourself. Some things that I do is I have um, I've kind of written out what I want, like what my purpose is, and I have it a few places. Like I have it on my bathroom mirror. I have it, you know, on my refrigerator. So places that I know that I'm going to see throughout the day. So it reminds me. Um, One of the goal-setting classes that I take, they say to review your, you know, goals, like your intentions, every night before you go to bed and first thing in the morning. So it's fresh on your mind, right? Like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Um, Another thing that you can do is every morning you can ask yourself, who am I going to serve today and how am I going to show up for them? And every evening you ask yourself, who did I serve today and how did I show up for them? So it reminds you that this is your... You know, your duty is service, whatever service that looks like for you. Um, Those are a few things that I do to keep myself motivated. Um, You know, giving class is a great...
great way for me because it reminds me. I feel like you guys are all here, but I'm probably the the um, person that I'm speaking to the most when I give class. So, you know, like I feel like sometimes I say things and I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, I need to remember that. Um, and then, like, just asking Krishna all the time, like, please remind me of this. Please, you know, keep this motivation, this inspiration going. And I find that if I keep that meditation in my mind, like, you know, if this is my service, please keep this service at the forefront. Like, he does. You know, he reminds me constantly. And so, and it's little things. Because sometimes, you know, when I'm looking at trying to um, inspire people to change their habits, right? To say, like, okay, let's stop eating meat and eat more vegetables, right? Because we know that meat's bad for your health and vegetables are great for your health. So I always tell them, don't focus on taking something away. Just keep focusing on adding more and more vegetables. Eventually, you'll eat less and less meat. Um, adding more plant foods like grains and beans, right? Then they'll be like, oh, I can't do it. And then I start to feel like, oh, my God, am I even making a difference? And, you know, this, that. And especially when I start feeling like that, like all of a sudden I'll get a random call from somebody and be like, okay, I'm ready. Like, you know, I'm, I've read this and that. I'm ready to go vegetarian. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's like almost every time I think about quitting or like, am I not good enough? Krishna sends these messages. And I feel like that's because I'm constantly asking him to. I hope that answers your question. All right, if there are no other questions, I I think you guys might know breakfast is served in the hall across the way. Sadanta Shimad Bhagavatam ki 